Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Christelle Martinet, and you will recall the last episode I ended on the note of sisterhood. It was the episode on Back to the Party. Now, what I meant there, sisterhood needed to be and needs to be for us uh, a sort of network that we can fall back on and we can, that can make us feel as part of a whole. You've heard the expression, the, uh, we are one, we are all one. This is part of the idea, part of that notion. Um, there is uh, the, the question here of having a women's voice being suppressed for ages. And every, um, I'm not talking now about sisterhood as opposed to brotherhood or matriarchy as opposed to patriarchy. No, because like women, men have their brotherhood and they have the qualities that they need to develop among themselves. Here, I'm talking more about, and I'm aiming this talk to tie to a time to remind us of a time when the sacred feminine has always been suppressed and, and the uh, notion of the sacred feminine is still suppressed. There is uh, the possibility of rising feminine, the rising feminine in all things, uh, in, in, in all beings, in all of nature's gifts. What I mean when I speak of sisterhood is that it is a call to action. We need to reclaim our voice. You need to reclaim your voice and aligning yourself with the natural flow, the sacred flow of all life. These thoughts will be a sort of roadmap for all of us. And it will help us open the gates of heading into the collective unconsciousness. But wait, you might be thinking, Christelle, why have you become so serious? Absolutely right. I do see you, sis, standing there on my shoulder, tapping my shoulder and saying, wait a minute, you've got to get back on track. This podcast past is about pleasure-seeking after all. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Now, adding to the notion of trying to find our wisdom, unleashing our true nature, nature and unbounding our power, is the thought of what pleasure actually means. Um, several uh, scholars, several uh, studious people and um, professors and researchers have come together in many different efforts. And what they have found is that by far and large, people, and I'm talking about people the world over, but especially in some Western countries, highly industrial Western, Western countries, people find pleasure, not as we think, for example, it gives me pleasure to have sex. No, it would be too simple an answer. Scientists have found 
that what people spend most of their time on is the world of make-believe and in the world of non-reality. And this brings to mind and and emerges uh, for us the answer of why reality shows are so are so interesting, so popular. Um, of course, this make-believe world has many different facets. People read, and they they emerge themselves into the characters of a highly um, refined plot, for example. But let's go back a little, even back farther in our uh, to our childhood or to children that we know. If you could remember the time when you uh, were involved with a child, your grandchild, your child, or a sister's child, or brother's child, when, or if you were a teacher in, in uh, nursery schools, how you could get children to be afraid, act as if they were afraid, if you scared them and said, boo, and they would act afraid, and if you did it again, they would start laughing, because they're able at a certain age, probably around the age of two, to start pretending that they know, but they know that you know that they know. So it's a very, very, it's called the meta, um, it's a meta level, the meta knowledge and meta communication. It's communicating about communicating. And without getting too involved in this um, scientific field or scientific realm, I just wanted to point out in this episode that, one, there is something called the un- the unconscious, uh, collective unconsciousness. And it um, was brought to the fore, this term was brought to the fore, some say with Carl Jung, uh, some say with others, but be that as it may, the collective unconscious does remind us that there are things, there are constructs, there are concepts, there are notions, there are beliefs that we all have. Think back to when you were a child and you thought uh, about the boogeyman. If your parents said, now go to sleep or else the boogeyman's going to come and we would, ah, and go under the covers. Or we were uh, given the idea of some dark presence that would befall us if we weren't good. So there is a notion that many people in the world believe similar ideas. For example, in uh, non-verbal communication, smiles practically the entire world, in the entire world, the world over, a smile is a symbol or a significance for happiness and for pleasure and being at ease with oneself. A frown, not so much. Frowns may lead to misinterpretations, but generally, based on scientific research, smiles are well uh, receptive, received as being positive and pleasurable. Now, Sisterhood, 
the notion of sisterhood, you you might have thought when I started in the beginning of this episode talking about it, you might have thought of, huh, huh, sure, my sister ain't like that. Or, oh, that woman's got her knives behind her back. She's just peering at me and piercing me through. I can feel her look. She's waiting for me to do something wrong. And then she'll go tell my supervisor. Okay, let's stop. Hold on. We have to remember that thoughts are a very, very important thing. Thoughts are energy. Everything that you think is very powerful. And I'm sure that many of you, if not all of you, have experienced the uh, notion that when you wake up and you think of someone, and you think of someone for no reason that you can think of, two hours later that person contacts you. Amazing, like clockwork, magic, and it is indeed magic. It's energy. It's the projection of energy. It's the communication of energy. Now, why I say this is if you understand that the blood in our veins, and I will talk about our veins as being so important and the blood that rushes in our veins in a future episode, but if you can think that we are one, In my world of sisterhood, there are women, girls, children, females who have the same experience and by far and large, very much destiny patterns, karmic patterns. There is a truth to the notion that our common destinies bring us together in ways that are stronger than our common misunderstandings, our differences, and our things, those things that we just don't get, those things that we just don't uh, like about each other, those are minimal. Our fates are intertwined by something that only our sisters can help us with. Think back to that party. Did I think of calling a man to ask his suggestion on what I should wear? Hell no. (laughs) Excuse my French. Of course, my first thought of, oh, I have to call, call my girlfriend. I have to call my mother, my sister. What would they do? I have to go to my sister's, my, my big sister. She has a closet full of costumes. She is a, a woman of the world after all. So, you know, we tend to try to uh, begin separating ourselves and distinguishing ourselves one woman from the other, one girl from a woman, one grandmother from a mother, instead of understanding that we too walked in their shoes, they too will walk in our shoes. We are, after all, our mother's child. And if we bear that in mind, It's a very powerful construct. It's a very powerful picture for us to remember how the strength that emerges, that rises from this collective unconsciousness is so powerful that it will help us even learn what to wear at that party 
Rise, sister, rise. I'll be back. Namaste.